Uh, hi, uh, Alan Vanellick here, and uh, I'm with the University of Nebraska, and I'm working on this land link uh, program, and I'm working on support videos for that. And uh, next one I want to do is on the phases of uh, transfer of an operation from one group or one entity to the next entity or another group. And so in this case, we're just going to talk about how we would transfer from a land owner to maybe their land seeker. And let's talk about how that might happen and talk about some considerations you have to make. And I'm cutting this video for both the land seeker and the landowner, so you hear the same message. But uh, just uh, I know that I'll have specific points for each party, so think about what that's going to be and what that might look like. Um, if you're considering a land seeker, you need to think through these steps as a landowner. And if you're considering to work with a landowner, you have to also think through these same steps as a land seeker. So here we go. For the landowner, the first question is, what do you want to have for the legacy of your operation when you're gone? Do you have strong feelings about that? Decide that first. What's your fundamental objective for the land asset? Do you want the land to continue on or that, that operation, the, the breeding stock or whatever, continue on as, as that particular breeding stock? Like for me, it'd be Benalic Angus. Do I want Benalic Angus to continue on? Not true, I just made that up. But, but the point is, what do you want to have happen? Uh, and then, and then, if you decide, I want to, hey, I want to get a land seeker in here. I want to try and keep Benalic Angus going uh, and my farming operation and this thing going. Then let's then we can have the conversation about how we're going to bring a land seeker in and how we're going to transfer that to that land seeker if that's what you want to have happen. The first phase you have to go through as a land seeker landowner is develop some kind of a testing phase. I think it's important to um, think about what that might look like. Are you going to offer wages as a landowner? Are you going to seek wages as a land seeker? Um, how, how, how much are you going to consider paying or not paying? And for how long? This has to be planned, written, and written, agreed to, and written down. You just can't uh, bring a person in um, and say, hey, we're going to pay you $20 an hour to help us with this operation and just leave them there forever and ever and ever. They're never going to stay because once you realize as a land seeker that you're never going to get a chance to have that operation for yourself, you become a hired man and, or a hired person, a man or a woman. And the bottom line is um, that's not helpful. That's not going to make any sense at all. So we have to think about what that testing phase looks like. I'm not saying there shouldn't be one, but I'm just saying we can't leave it go indefinitely. We have to probably agree ahead of time with that's three months, six months, uh, every other weekend, every weekend. I don't know. Are we making somebody move? Are we going to provide housing? What, is, what does housing look like? What does that look like? You know, how does, how does that work going to work out? Think about those things as you think about that, that testing phase. Uh, for the younger generation, they want to know how they're going to be managed by the, by the landowner. For the older generation, they're going to want to know, will that younger generation do the things I need to have them do? So the testing phase is kind of important. The second phase of this whole thing is called management transfer. And to explain how I think about management transfer, I have to talk about the grocery store. So the grocery store owner brought his son back to the operation. He was so thrilled that his son came. But the grocery store owner loved control of his grocery store. He loved the idea of having control. And so what did the son get relegated to do? The son got, his son got brought back to the operation and he was stocking shelves and he was bagging groceries and hauling them out to the car for the old people, for the people that needed help, assistance, old or young, doesn't matter. And that's what the owner left him to do, his own son. Never transfer any management. Well, 
if we do that on a farming operation, you know, we're not doing this land land uh, land link thing to to find hired men. We're doing this thing with the idea that there's a, a honest effort to bring that that next generation back to that farming operation to keep that farming operation going. And I would bet that the next generation in this situation is just going to be like the grocery store clerk or the grocery store's clerk, uh, owner's son, and they're not going to stay around very long if they're never given anything to be responsible for. Now. Does that mean we bring somebody into our ag operation or to the grocery store and just give them the control of everything without good experience and without good instruction? I think that's a recipe for disaster. Be careful about that. Don't just give them control of everything. Because I can guarantee you, if you bring somebody into an operation and give either a grocery store or ag and give them control of everything, in six months, you're both, both gonna be so mad at each other, you're gonna split the thing wide open. So nothing's gonna stick. Because the younger generation said, you gave me control and now you're upset with my my decisions and the older generation will go, they don't have the ex proper experience and they're making all these decisions that I would never make and things that I would never do. And they're just ruining this thing for me. I'm not gonna let this continue on. So what I suggest for a management transfer is it number one, it's gotta happen, it's still gotta go on. But more importantly, let's do it in a phased planned manner so that we could give that, that next person that the grocery store owner's son or the the land seeker some management so they learn something so they, they start managing things but we don't give them enough to sink the whole operation we don't and, and if we give them management of an 80 or give them management of 160 or give them management of a section of grass whatever it happens to be you can divide that up however you want to that's theirs to manage you do not you do not uh take away their autonomy to manage that whatever you're having to manage Again, it's a small portion. They get to decide if I give my, my, my uh, land seeker an 80 to work on, hey, that's your 80. You decide what you're gonna plant, how you're gonna do the fertilizer, how you're gonna do insecticide, how you're gonna do weed control, all that stuff. How you're gonna market the crop, what crop you're gonna raise, what planting density, all that stuff. And then they're in charge of making sure it's scouted and taken care of. And then they market the crop. And then you, Dan, the main thing is, you also make sure that there's a good set of records in place so that you can now compare that to the other parts of the operation see what the profit loss is per acre, that sort of thing, and just get a, get a good sense of what's going on. It'll help lots of ways. We'll see if that younger generation or that, that uh, land seeker can manage well, and we'll see how that compares to how the landowner has been managing, managing their ground. But more importantly, None of us have ever learned without making a mistake first. So we let the land seeker make a mistake or turn out well, and we go on from there. That just makes sense. It's planned, it's agreed to, and it's written down. And if that goes good this year, we're gonna give them more responsibility next year and just keep going on, okay? Just go on with that. Now, uh, that takes us through management transfer. Think about how you're gonna do that in a phased, gradual phased manner that's planned, written down, and the timings followed, adhere to. The third part of this thing is, so we have, we have, we've had the testing phase, then we talk about management transfer. Now the third part of this thing is asset or enterprise transfer. If you're far enough into this thing and you wanna start now transferring assets or transferring enterprises to this uh, land seeker, then when I think about that, I think about livestock and machinery primarily, not land necessarily, but livestock and machinery, you're gonna start transferring that over. Let's think about um, how that's gonna look, what that's gonna look like. And what are the financial needs of the landowner? Are they going to have to sell and get the cash? Is that what they're going to need to live off of in, in retirement or, or for if they can't work anymore and they have to go to a retirement 
uh, nursing home or retirement village or assisted living, whatever the situation may be in home healthcare, what cash do they need to make all those things happen if necessary? Where's that gonna come from? Or what does that look like? And maybe they have to figure on uh, selling machinery to make that happen, I'm, I'm just sure. All I'm saying is just have a plan, just think about that. I don't have the, the exact prescription for that. So a couple things, a couple examples I wanna give you on, on asset or, or um, enterprise transfer. On the livestock side, maybe if you have cattle, for instance, or sheep or whatever, you allow the, the land seeker to help you with calving, all aspects of calving on the nights, weekends, snowstorms, all that stuff. And uh, they get a percentage of the calf crop for doing that work or helping with that labor. What, I, don't, I don't know, I have the number on that, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25%, up to 50%, something like that. That's their calf crop. And then when you go to sell calves, if you're selling calves, uh, wean calves in the fall, you split the check, however it is, 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20. Well, I don't know how that, what that looks like, but you split the check. There's other means as well. I'm just trying to give you ideas. And the, the best thing about this is you take my ideas, build on them, make it fit your situation, and you use them however you want to. On machinery, there's that, that could start to work too. Are you going to use a, con, a machinery contract to, to start to purchase some machinery to that land seeker? In other words, uh, here's my tractor. I'm going to sell it to you for $100,000. You can pay me out over the next 10 years, so it's $10,000 a year, and decide if you need to have interest on top of the $10,000 and what the interest rate might be, um, or that'd be a contract, or it's, is it some kind of a long-term lease? I retain ownership of the, of the machinery because it's my, my tractor, I'm gonna keep it. If he wants a tractor, he can buy his own, but he's, he's allowed to use my tractor and it's so much per hour or so much per year, or however you wanna set that up on a lease, but it's long-term, keep that land seeker out there. Or if you're so lucky, you do not necessarily need the income from the machinery sale or the machinery you use, you could even consider gifting. You know, we used to have a gift tax and uh, gift tax exclusion in place, where I could gift so much of the asset to that land seeker uh, per year. And if the land seeker has a spouse, I could gift so much to her too. I think right now, I think it's uh, check with your CPA or or, or attorney, but I think it's fifteen thousand a year. So as a landowner, if I had machinery, I would gift fifteen thousand to my land seeker and to his spouse. And so that'd be a total of thirty. If I own that machinery jointly with my, with my spouse, like they, they could gift 15 to each. So you could gift up to 60,000 worth of machinery assets per year to that next whoever's taken over, if that works for you. I'm not suggesting that, I'm just giving you ideas. If that gift tax exclusion fits your situation, consider it. The last thing you have to think about on this whole thing is the, is the uh, land transfer. Um, the fundamental thing to consider here is what, what legacy do you want for the operation? And um, for the landowner, of course, what are your obligations to your children and other family members? What obligations have you made from this land resource? Uh, do you expect, you know, do you expect to gift it to your children that you're passing? Uh, will they sell the ground? Yeah, it happens a lot of times. I'm gifting a farm that I own to my children. I expect them to sell it. I don't expect them to keep it. They don't know anything about managing farm. So if you gift it and they sell, have you just taken that land seeker out of the operation that you've tried to build and try and get them started? If you're really considering carefully trying to get this land seeker starting, started, you have probably better not just give that land to your children and let them sell because I, I think that puts a land seeker behind eight ball and I, I'm not sure that many of them would survive. I'm not sure any, any of them would survive, quite honestly. It just probably won't happen. 
If you want that land seeker to succeed in your operation, then you have to think about, especially that land transfer part of it. I'm not saying you don't give land to your children. I'm saying that you have to think about that very carefully. You consider things like long-term land contracts. Now, children, you're allowed to sell the farm, but you're gonna sell it to my land seeker and it's gonna be over a 30 year period. And it's gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna hold the loan for that land seeker for that 30 years. And it's gonna be uh, full appraised value, 60% of appraised value, 80% of appraised value. You could say what you wanna have to happen there. And they're gonna pay you annually at this, at this rate of interest or, or at the current rate of interest discounted by 50% or 60% or, or 40% or 20% how you can change, you can, you can arrange all those things. Or you can say, no, you know, the kids need to keep it because we're gonna have this land seeker uh, on a long-term lease. We're gonna give this land seeker a 20 year lease or a 10 year lease or a 15 year lease, whatever it is, more than the typical one to three year leases, longer term lease, because we want that land seeker to continue with their operation. And or we're going to always give the land seeker the option to purchase first right of refusal, sometimes it's called. And that purchase option may be include uh, purchasing your land at a 10% at a discount or 15 or 20% discount off of appraised value. Not, I wouldn't do it off the of tax value, do it off appraised of value. And so I'm, I'm just trying to give you ideas of things to think about and things to think about before you enter into your agreements. Under the areas, uh, four, what I call the four areas of land transfer, four areas of what I call enterprise or ag transfer, because we want that land seeker to succeed, we better think through these things before we even start. I think that's important. And so it's a testing phase. What does that look like? It's a, um, it's a management transfer phase. What does that look like? It's, a, it's a, an asset or enterprise transfer phase. I'm talking about livestock machinery there. And then it's the land, land transfer phase. And for many, for many uh, landowners, the land transfer phase doesn't occur until their death. But what does that look like? And what, what can we put in place ahead of time before our demise to make sure if we wanna have that land seeker continue that operation, but not again, because it's gonna live forever or at least another generation, then how do I make that land seeker successful and not put them under the bus? Uh, I think that's all I had in this particular uh, segment. Um, have I, and it's, so the, the point is have this all in writing. You're going to get these out, things outlined, have both parties agree to it, sign it, that sort of thing. And then the other thing I think you got to consider very carefully, last thing, is have exit plans. Put exit plans in place for both parties, for both the land seeker and the landowner, because things change. The health issues, accidents, that sort of thing. What are my exit plans? What do we pull? How do we deal with that? How do we make sure that either party can get out of this thing? If we have an emergency, a, a family, uh, somebody dies out of order, any, any one of these things can change the plans. And so make sure we put plans in place, make sure they're amendable with both parties in agreement that that's how we can continue on. If you got questions on this, I'd be glad to try and help or we'll get you on with a financial planner or a, a lawyer or somebody that can actually help you. Uh, I'm Alan Vanalek. I'm at the university at 402-472-1771. You call me, leave a message, even if I'm not working here, which I'm not most of the time, but if I'm not working here, I'll be more than happy to, um, to uh, get your message. Your message will come to me. I'm on my email no matter where I'm at. And so don't worry about that. Just leave a message. It'll get to me. I'll try and call you back. It'll, we understand that it'll be my old Columbus cell phone number. So don't be, don't be nervous about that. Please go ahead and accept that call. Uh, I think that's it. If you got any questions, please uh, make sure you let me know. 
And uh, I wish you good luck with this and I'd be more than happy to help if I can. Have a great day.